Ugh, state testing is coming up again. Why do we even have these tests? Is there any way I can make testing easier for my child? I'm Jenny Sherson, ex-special educator turned dyslexia interventionist. It wasn't so long ago that I, too, was overwhelmed by balanced literacy versus structured literacy, education speak, and everything in between. Fast forward after many, many hours of self-driven education, and you'll see I've built a thriving dyslexia practice helping students from age 6 to 18. My specialties? Working with the quote-unquote difficult, almost always to be, student, and breaking down the complexities of dyslexia into everyday language strategies and action steps. Before we dive in, have you heard? We have a good book section on our website. It's a new and growing feature. Our goal is for it to be your one-stop shop for books about learning and dyslexia for adults and kids. If it'll help you support your child through their dyslexia neurodiverse journey, we'll dive into it. We're still loving the second edition of Dyslexia Advocate by Kelly Sandman Hurley. The original edition of this book was one of my all-time favorite resources to share with parents who recently had a child diagnosed with dyslexia. It contains an immense amount of dyslexia and IEP knowledge. I myself frequently refer back to it when I need to refresh my memory or I'm looking for a little clarity on a particular topic. If your child is dyslexic and you are navigating the public school systems, this book is a must-have. We've put a link to our good books page in the show notes below. Go ahead, hit pause, and bookmark the page for later. We'll wait for you. And be on the lookout. April's pick is only a few days away. Depending on where you live, standardized testing can be a mandatory misery your child must endure. As a former school testing coordinator, STC, I can honestly say this was my least favorite time of year. So much anxiety, disruptions, and missed class time. And that was just for me. For many students, especially those with dyslexia, it's even worse. The dyslexic child has spent the past year working super hard and has made many strides forward and is really feeling good about their progress, only to have it all crashing down when the mandatory testing results find their way home. In some cases, these scores even deny the child the right to be promoted to the next grade level. During testing weeks, and yes, it does take weeks to get one round of testing done, anxiety and stress fill the hallways, schedules are all a mess, and nobody knows exactly where they should be. So why do we even do this? A very simplified answer. In 2003, in the United States, the No Child Left Behind Act, NCLB, was passed. It required states to annually assess students' learning through standardized testing and report the test results on historically neglected groups, students with disabilities, English language learners, and low-income children. They needed to do all of this in order to be eligible for extra federal funding. NCLB also had a ridiculously ambitious goal of 100% proficiency by the 2013-2014 school year. Not realistic at all. This led to some states lowering standards so the tests would become easier to pass and drill and kill test prep came into the classroom. In 2015, the act was reauthorized for a third time and became the Every Student Succeeds Act, which made some modifications, but standardized testing remained in place. So what is a standardized test? 
A standardized test is a test compromise of a specific set of questions that all students in the same grouping, in this case grade, take. The idea is that because all the questions are exactly the same when the results are analyzed, they can make comparisons between groups of students and see where more supports and resources are needed. So other than standardized testing being required, depending on where you live, some places allow students to opt out, what does a standardized testing score tell you about your child? In a nutshell, their score tells you where they fall on a bell curve in relation to the other students in their grade. They are not a good way to assess a student with dyslexia. We already know they're behind their peers, and all these tests do is reconfirm what we already know. So, what can you do to help your child through this? My advice, do some research and have a strategic plan. Your first step is to determine if your state is an opt-out state. Would your child's overall mental health benefit from not taking the test? (laughs) Then by all means, opt out. On the other hand, are you going back and forth with the school and the school seems to require even more data to get the evaluation process rolling or to add reading services to the IP? Taking the test can help solidify your child's needs and maybe get some things moving. Once you determine if your child is required to or needs to take the test for data purposes, your next step is to put a few strategies into place. I have seven. One, check your child's IEP and look to see what testing accommodations are provided. It's important to know there can be a difference between classroom and testing accommodations. Not all classroom accommodations are allowed during standardized testing. Two, check with the school that your child will receive all the testing accommodations listed in their IAP. If not, why? Some IAPs state a reader will be provided, but many of the tests these days have an audio component built in that replaces the need for a reader. It just has to be turned on at the admin level. Three, check with your child's teacher or case manager that your child has used and practiced the testing accommodations as they are presented in the test. For example, if there is an audio option, does your child know how to access and control it? If not, make sure they get on that. Four, talk to your child about the test. Listen to all of their concerns and remind them they are not the test. The test doesn't measure their intelligence, talent, work ethic, or other positive traits. The test also isn't going to tell you or them anything new. Five, teach your child or remind them of previously learned self-relaxation techniques. When I was teaching at Kennedy Krieger in one of their type two high schools, one of my coworkers taught all of our students the Satanama meditation. Along with individually touching each finger to your thumb, you chant Satanama, and each sound corresponds to a finger touch. So with Sa, you touch your forefinger and a thumb together. With Ta, you touch your middle finger to your thumb, and so on. The coolest thing was seeing students independently use this technique during standardized testing and final exams. I looked over, and he was pressing his fingers to his thumbs, And then I clicked and what he was doing. It was really cool to see. There is a YouTube video that goes through all the cycles of the chant if you want to try it. Six, make sure your child gets a good night's sleep. When you're tired, it's difficult to think clearly. A dyslexic student's ability to process language can be significantly impacted by their sleep quality. 
I can almost always tell when one of my students has had a bad night's sleep. They have a really hard time decoding and encoding, even things they mastered a long time ago. Seven, have your child eat a nourishing breakfast. Snacks are not allowed in the testing room, and nobody thinks clearly when they're hangry. To wrap up, there are a few important things to keep in mind. If your child is receiving dyslexia tutoring, don't be surprised if their standardized testing scores remain low. You need to keep in mind they started behind and are usually grade levels below their peers. Standardized testing is assessing your child on grade level content, not content at their current skill level. This is why these tests are such self-esteem killers. If your child is making progress based on their personal baselines, then the tutoring is working. Finally, no single test can measure your child's overall reading proficiency. Many data points have to be analyzed and taken into account. If you have any further questions about standardized assessments and strategies for making it through this season, please feel free to sneak into my inbox. We'd also love your input. What would you like to hear from us in the future? Is there a topic we haven't covered yet you really want to learn more about? Or do you have a pressing need and you're really not sure how to handle it or move forward? Send us a DM on Instagram or drop us a line at Jenny, J-E-N-N-I-E, at literacyuntangled.com. We can't wait to hear from you. Until next time, bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Literacy Untangled. If you loved this episode as much as I did, head on over and rate and subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you want to continue the conversation or share your takeaways, head on over to our Instagram at Literacy Untangled and comment on your favorite part. I can't wait to hang out with you again soon. Bye.